Welcome to The Bookmonger. I'm John J. Miller of National Review. Thanks for listening. This show is a production of National Review and we're recording from the studio of WRFH, the campus radio station of Hillsdale College. Our guest is Aaron Wren, author of Life in the Negative World, Confronting Challenges in an Anti-Christian Culture. Aaron, welcome to The Bookmonger. Thanks for having me on. What is the negative world and why is it a problem for Christians? If you go back to the 1950s, although we didn't have a state church, we sort of had a softly institutionalized, generic Protestant Christianity in America. So that's the decade we added in God we trust to our money. When we added under God to the Pledge of Allegiance, we had prayer in schools. About half of all Americans attended church every Sunday, which was a high watermark in American history, actually. But then in the 1960s, I dated to start to around 1964. Christianity, the status of Christianity began to go into decline in America. Church attendance declined, personal adherence declined, and Christianity's moral system began to get called into question through things like the sexual revolution. And I divide this period of decline from 1964 to the present, because it's still ongoing, into three phases I call the positive, neutral, and negative world. So the positive world is from 1964 to 94, It is a period of decline. I want to be clear on that. And yet Christianity is still basically viewed positively to be known as a good church going man, makes people want to hire you, seem like an upstanding member of society, et cetera. And Christian moral norms are still the basic moral norms of society. In 94, we had a tipping point. And from 94 to 2014, we enter what I call the neutral world where Christianity is no longer seen positively, but it's not really viewed negatively yet either. It's just one more lifestyle choice among many in a pluralistic public square, and Christian moral norms still have a sort of residual effect. And then in 2014, we enter what I call the negative world, where for the first time in the 400-year history of America, official elite culture now views Christianity negatively. To be known as a Bible-believing Christian does not help you get a job at Goldman Sachs or Google, quite the opposite, in fact. And Christian moral norms are now expressly repudiated And Christianity is even to some extent viewed as maybe the new major threat to the new public moral order, which we see in all of the debates around, say, things like Christian nationalism. So this has really been jarring and dislocating, I would argue, not just for evangelicals, but for society. And I think this change in the relationship between uh, the way society viewed Christianity is one of the underlying factors that Uh, is driving some of what's happened in society. So why did this happen? It certainly doesn't sound like the work of divine providence. I'm skeptical of where did it all go wrong type questions. You know, there's a guy named Charles Taylor, a Canadian philosopher who tells a 500-year story arc of secularization. You've got people who say that it all went wrong with William of Ockham and nominalism and all that stuff and sort of led to, you know, what we call a secularization of culture. I think there were a few factors, though, that really drove this 60-year period that I'm talking about here. One was the decline of the old Protestant establishment, or the what they called the WASP establishment, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. I mean, Protestantism was a sort of social boundary for their community, right? If you were Catholic or Jewish, you might be blackballed from a country club. And while I think we would all say, that's bad, we shouldn't do that, while those people were sort of running the country, they certainly would not have allowed Christianity to come into disrepute because it would have, you know, essentially dissolved the barriers that define their community, and they're now gone. So basically, that's liquidated. 
Uh, we also saw, you know, broader social upheavals in the 60s, which, you know, that you can debate the causes. I think one of the main shifts away from the positive to the neutral and negative world was the collapse of the Soviet Union because Christianity was deeply bound up with American confrontation of Soviet empire, which was avowedly atheist, godless communism, as some have it. One reason that we did add things like under God to the pledge in the 50s, it was part of, I would argue, shoring up uh, America's sort of Christian religious identity in confrontation with the Soviet Union during the Cold War. So it would not have been possible to really turn against Christianity so long as the Soviet Union was still in business. 1989 was actually a key date uh, with the fall of the Berlin Wall. In fact, I debated whether I should make that the start of what I called the neutral world, went with 94 for other reasons. So I think those were two. I also think you know some of the factors in more recent history include you know, greater corporate consolidation as a result of the deregulation that was put in place in the 70s, uh, starting in the late 70s on through through the 90s, that really enabled much more consolidations of banks and other industries. Uh, and now today, uh, you know, many corporations are semi-immune from market pressures in a way that was not before. And so these corporations can afford to engage in sort of progressive politics without worrying about alienating their audience so, you know, Michael Jordan famously said, you know, he doesn't get involved in politics because, you know, Republicans buy shoes, too. I'm here to sell shoes. Well, today, you know, in a more consolidated world, you know, if you don't like Google you know, or you don't like YouTube, if you don't like Facebook, where else are you going to go? They're limited competition so they can essentially do what they want. So those are some of the factors. And I lay out a few more in the book, although I don't want to say that this is, you know, there's a, a single point or a single factor that drove it all. This is a message from our friends at American Habits from the State Policy Network. We the people, do you ever think about what that means and what happened to it? We the people certainly did not mean an imperial city full of unelected bureaucrats deciding everything from kindergarten curricula to nursing home funding formulas. We the people mean self-government, a free people deciding most things in their families and communities and delegating some authority to their towns and states while passing along just a small amount of that power to the national government. How did things get so upside down at American Habits? We tell stories of real people with real solutions, all working to restore federalism and self-government. If you're a public official, come get involved. If you're a citizen, come and see the new standard for American leadership. No matter who you are, come help us renew the forgotten but not lost habit of American self-government. Visit AmericanHabits.org to learn more. That's American Habits. Org. What's so bad about the idea of a post-Christian America? Maybe not great for Christians, but but do non-Christians have a stake in this? I argue that the changes are going to be pervasive in the culture, and it's going to have effects far beyond the church. So I think a lot of people think about, well, this is you know bad for the church, and you know evangelicals need to to adjust, but society's going to have to adjust too. So I, one of the ways that I illustrate these three worlds is through three presidential sex scandals. One was in 1987, the positive world, when it was reported that Colorado Senator Gary Hart, who was the Democratic frontrunner to be the nominee uh, in 1988 presidential race, had had a young woman stay all night in his D.C. townhouse. He had to drop out of the race. I mean, if you had an affair, your basically career was toast politically in that era. Fast forward to 1998. And uh, we see the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal, and this badly damaged Bill Clinton. There's no doubt about it. Probably led to 
George W. Bush getting elected in 2000, and yet the Democrats sort of rallied around him and said, well, however deplorable his personal behavior might have been, it wasn't relevant to his professional uh, behavior in office. Then you go forward to 2016, October, surprise, access Hollywood tape, NBC sitting on it. They think they're going to sink Trump. And in retrospect, that was sort of a 48-hour blip of a scandal. And so, you know, a lot of people who don't like Christianity very much are nevertheless horrified by Donald Trump. Many people, I think today, the consensus is Bill Clinton was not necessarily a great guy. And so the elimination of all the sort of moral guardrails and standards that used to allow people to say things like, hey, maybe a guy like Donald Trump is just not morally qualified to be president. Those are all gone. And so... Uh, today, you know, we sort of live in a post-moral world in which, you know, you're really not going to be able to play the character card on politicians anymore uh, as they, they run for office. And so that's really, I think, going to be something that plays out throughout secular society, even quite apart uh, from the church. And I think there's a great irony that the very people who tore down all of the guardrails and standards by which someone might have been able to make judgments about Trump uh, are the ones most horrified by him. Uh, and so it's in some ways delicious to see their uh, their heads explode over it uh, because Donald Trump is a product of the negative world. He would not have been elected president in the positive or neutral worlds. How do Christians turn this around? Well, I argue that you know, we're probably not going to reverse this trend anytime soon. And so just as, you know, the sexual revolution took decades to to work itself out, in fact, it's still working itself out. The original book, The Sexual Revolution by Wilhelm Reich was written in the 1930s. And we're still seeing the consequences of that play out. Any sort of, you know, re-evangelization of America, renewal of some sort of Christian moral culture in America is a project that would last far beyond either of our lifetimes. Uh, and in fact, I think we should adopt something of a longer term perspective. In the short term, I think evangelicals have to make a painful adjustment uh, away from thinking of themselves as a moral majority, uh, to use the name of a positive world entity uh, that Jerry Falwell had created to understanding that you're a moral minority. And the implications aren't always clear. And I always say there isn't like some three-point plan or five-point plan about what to do, but it's going to require a lot of rethinking, reorientation, and sort of prudential judgment. So I think we're seeing that a little bit in terms of the abortion battle, for example. Roe versus Wade is overturned. That was something that was the major goal. But now that we see, hey, basically – the public wants abortion to be legal. So what do you do in that case? I think that's an example of the refactoring that has to happen. One more question. Your new book, Life in the Negative World, began as an essay in 2022 in the magazine, First Things. What is First Things? And how did you know you had a book in this essay? Well, First Things is uh, a journal of uh, religion in the public square. It was founded by Richard John Newhouse in the early 90s, now edited by Rusty Reno. Uh, I actually came up with the start of this framework in 2014. Maybe that's one reason I picked 2014 as the date. And I published an initial version in a newsletter that was very small at the time in 2017. And it got a good response then. And then Rusty and First Thing said, hey, would you update this? And we would love to publish something like this. And so it was published in the February 22 issue. It was a huge hit for them. 
uh, maybe the most talked about article in the history of the magazine. It was certainly the most read article of the year that year in the magazine. And so uh, I think the logical thing was why not turn that into a book? You know, people had been uh, telling me for like 15 years now, Aaron, you need to write a book. I never did it. So I said, well, I'm going to do this. And this is something that I think uh, really resonates with people. So I wanted to not only take the stuff that was in the article, which was sort of the diagnosis, but also start providing some ideas about how to move forward in the negative world, hence the title Life in the Negative World. And so I'm deeply grateful to uh, Rusty, James Wood, who was an associate editor there at the time and First Things, to really making this happen. It's a great publication, and I'd encourage you to uh, subscribe. The author is Aaron Wren. The book is Life in the Negative World, Confronting Challenges in an Anti-Christian Culture. Aaron, thanks for joining us on The Bookmonger. Thanks for having me. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. Your reviews help new listeners discover us, and that helps us keep this show going. We'll be back next week with an episode of The Bookmonger.